the truth? Oh, I'm all ears. Okay. The truth. I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Why do you find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it so easy? It's never been easy! You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! All I'm offering is the truth. Nothing more. Welcome again to Truthful Talk. I am your host, Marco George, and for the next little bit, we're going to do our thing. As always, with me by my side is my amazing partner, Sam. Hello, beautiful world. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and today, we are joined by a special guest, uh, my longtime friend and colleague, uh, Derek Allen Rowe, who is one of the, the founders of our creative media company, Doctrine Creative. Hi, Hello. Derek. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Glad to have you here. I am glad to be here. I love this this idea you have going with Truthful Talk, and um, I love that uh, we are going to be doing a podcast tonight, and you got this suite set up. I'm into it. Yeah, and you got this suite set up, too, with this 360 camera you have, and, and uh, this the, the whole uh, 360 uh, video world that you're in now with, with wild eyes. And yeah. How's that been going? Really good. Um, we, uh, you know, we started off as a, uh, a 360 video project, you know, where we were filming the national parks in 360 video. And, you know, through that process of the project, I've sort of been transformed and, uh, now sort of focus on any opportunity to use technology to reconnect people to the natural world. And right now it's using virtual reality as the focus. Um, and it's just been like amazing to travel the country and see people's smiling faces as they see beautiful places that they've never been before. Um, it's, it transforms me as well as transform seeing other people being transformed. Um, and the last Thing that we did uh, last month, we went to D.C. for the uh, National Parks uh, 100th anniversary uh, celebration, and we shared a bunch of different parks with people, and even park rangers put it on, and were impressed by like, you know what what the experience is like. You know, people think, oh, 360 video, virtual reality, I get it, but it's not until you put the headset on that you get it. And uh, next week we'll be going to Salt Lake City, Utah to share our videos uh, there at an event called the Outsiders Ball. That's amazing. I, I remember, how long has it been? Because I remember the first time you were talking about the concept for Wild Eyes. It feels like it's been a year and a half. Has it been that long? Yeah, is mm-hmm. it, and yeah it was like uh, we went on the road September of 2015, and we started our Indiegogo campaign in August. Okay. And so I think I started the project, pre-production for the project started like May or June of 2015. So it's about a year right now. Yeah, it's been about a year. Okay, because I remember that. And at the time, it was a cool concept. Right. It was, it was this neat piece of tech. It was like, okay, we get virtual reality. I've seen it in games and... And even when like pitching the the national parks, I was like, okay, I get this, I get this concept. But when you put the thing on, and you look at it, because you're right, you don't really understand it until you put it on. When you put it on, this is 
this is uh, no it's bizarre so i got to just so you all know i got to experience this before we did this and i have never experienced anything like that before i mean it was bizarre to be in these different parks and seeing all these different things like i'm like freaking out and it's just so cool i (laughs) want to be there the whole time yeah, I think it's really like your reaction is exactly what I had when I first tried it. Yeah. It was like 2014. I was at a film festival. Google was there showing off Google Oceans. And well, as an aside thing, let's show it to people in this cardboard headset. And I was just like, what is that? Exactly. And I tried it and I looked around the ocean and it moved with my head. I could look at the behind me and see this yellow tang fish and look in front of me and see some coral. And I was just like, wow, I have to do this. This is it. No, like everyone needs to experience this. <laughs> everyone needs to experience This is not something that I, I, everyone That's needs to feel. experience this. <laughs> it was, you know, it was amazing. One of the, the videos that, that Derek let me look at before uh, we started doing this uh, tonight was, uh, it was, where were we? It was, it was that one that went from different places, but it was the one where I was on, we were up high mm-hmm. in a high altitude. That was a uh, Mora rock at Sequoia national park. Absolutely beautiful. But the thing that I was surprised with is I understand this technology. I've, I've seen it. I've been around it and you know, Derek's been sampling it to me over time, but I was in, we're in this high altitude place and we're on these steps and there's these rails and we're on the side of the mountain and I found myself frozen. I found myself, I'm wearing this thing. I know I'm standing here in a safe place. I know I'm not in that environment, but my other senses were immediately involved. And I felt like I was there. I felt like I, I couldn't move because I was going to fall off you the mountain. You were going to fall off the mountain, yeah. Or go down the steps. It was, it, yeah. There's a power in that. The, the way that I've, I've talked about it so much that like the way that I've started to describe it now is that you think about like the evolution of media and you think about like the first thing that you saw as media and like where we are today with media and you look at the growth of it. You see like, okay, we start with like radio programs, which tell these stories. Then you capture like, you know, photos like Ansel Adams capturing uh, Yosemite National Park, you know, the smoke coming around the mountain, this like sort of like aesthetic to the experience of media you're like that's it's almost as if you're there that's what it looks like so you're sharing someone that then you get to the next level which is video and video is like the biggest form of media right now you got netflix people are netflixing people are facebooking people are facebooking live yeah so you're sharing this live you know live feed with people of video and documentary film has taken leaps and bounds in the last five or six years And, you know, so you go from like using audio to using visual to using audio and visual together. And there's this third element with virtual reality, which I haven't I haven't heard anybody refer to the word of it. The best word I can come up with is experiential, but it taps into another level of experience where you you start to lose the fact that you're in your own body you start to feel like you're you're, it's a what i refer to as a living moment right so i i capture a moment and then i get to share it with someone else you know we talked about you know because i think vr the thing that we've seen throughout history or you know how when it started was was gaming there was vr gaming first first person you know zombie attack first person shooter was it was vr gaming but the whole concept of saying we're gonna we're gonna shoot the the national parks 
and then we're going to bring it to schools and we're going to bring it to these conventions and we're going to let kids, you know, be able to experience. Guess what you're saying? It's experience design at, yeah. its, at its best. Yeah. Now we're going to let kids who don't have the ability to travel around to national parks, who don't have the ability to go to Yosemite, who don't have the ability to, to see these things, they can experience it as if they're there. Absolutely. It's not just reading about it in a book. It's not just looking at pictures. It's not even just watching a video. They can experience it as if they are there looking around and looking at the different things. And that is an immersive type of an experience. Yeah, immersive is a really good word to use. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the mentality, you know, I'm, I use film as like activism. I think that film is like my way of like, expressing another form showing people what's possible and i think that you know uh the first doc two documentary films i worked on it was pushing the level of lifestyles i you know personally have always felt sort of like you know people we tend to put ourselves in a box we tend to think that you know our suffering comes from this idea that uh i want things to be different but they can't be and so for me, I like wanted to use documentary film to show people that like there's all different kinds of ways that people live life. And so you don't have to feel so boxed in. And when, you know, when I was touring to these different festivals and seeing our films play, I, I wasn't satisfied with the effect. I was not seeing what I had hoped to engage people in. And I, it was just another movie, man. I was just walking out of another movie. And... When I was at a film festival in Tampa and I saw the Google Cardboard, there was a line of people waiting to use it. And I was just like, this is it. Yeah. This is not just another movie. This like gets you touching and moving and feeling. And and some people who are really into the virtual reality as far as like on the psych the effects of the psychology say that part of it is just the fact that you're actually moving. Right. Like it feels as if you are actually there. I mean, this is not a screen you're looking at. It, it, it's as if you were there. Exactly. And my hope was if we can create experiences where people who don't have a connection to the natural world could start to build that connection through technology, then we could start pushing that gap, tightening that gap that's building up between humans and nature. You know, people say, it's, you know, we know why I'm not in nature? Netflix. You know why I'm not, not in nature? AC. But you know, we can start to close that gap and give people that connection to the natural world that that we're missing through a a form of technology that we sort of like stigmatize. We sort of like blame it, and maybe we can use it. It's it's a whole other world to technology for me. I that's how I feel too. I'm glad you guys feel that way. I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm just like I don't know. I, I don't want to feel like I'm pushing something that like is like oh this is gonna work you know this is really gonna inspire people like sla allowing a project to have its own wings and change people without you saying doesn't this change you <laughs> like seeing that happen on its own is like and you guys are an example of that like it's transformative yeah and as we were talking earlier for example on a on a behavioral side for people that have fears, like I have a huge fear of sharks, but man, if I could just put this on and feel what it feels like to be underwater, but at the same time, know that I'm safe because I'm not actually underwater. It can, I don't know. Like, I think this is like a breakthrough because maybe, <laughs> maybe it can start some type of 
process in my brain to face this fear. Interesting. You know, and I kind of want to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's get the sharks up. Yeah, exactly. That, that's your next project. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it does because you've always been big on community. Yeah. You've always been big on bringing people together for community because that's how we evolve as a society. Yeah. And this is different than watching a movie together. We go and we watch a movie together and we can talk about it, but we can each put on one of these headsets and experience it for ourselves. And the discussion is different afterwards. The discussion, if, if you and I, you know, we watch the space launch, you know, you watch the space launch. I, I watch it through this VR, even though we weren't there, it still kind of felt like we were there. We can now have a discussion about it differently than watching a movie true through the experience of it. I think it, it's a deeper level. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, Google is doing, uh, it's a project called Google Expeditions. And um, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, we, we got to get involved. And a few weeks a few weeks ago, we were talking with someone from Google Expeditions about how we could use Wild Eyes uh, experiences in the classroom. And, you know, they let me download a beta version of this app. And what it allows the teacher to do is she has an iPad or he has an iPad and they can pull up a environment, let's say Antarctica. So they click on it and open Antarctica up. And then all of the students have cardboards. And they can, she clicks cardboard and all their, uh, their headsets say loading. And then all of a sudden it transports them to Antarctica and they can look around like you were just saying. But the teacher, they can see where the kids are looking in the, on, their, on their app, on their side. They can see the, that where their each faces are pointing and so they see all these dots moving around. And what you start to see, you look up at the class and you see someone go, look over to the left. And then everybody moves to the left. <laughs> look over to the right. And then everybody that's moves to so the right. Great. And it's like, now that's that's a new level of experiencing media. Right. Whereas before, the director, the filmmaker decides everything. Um, and this is sort of like, it lets you take what you want to take, like actually experiencing something. <laughs> Because yeah, you have control of it. Yeah. Where you're looking and what you're seeing. You're the editor. You're the editor. Every there audience member is the editor. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's beautiful. I Become love it. Become the editor <laughs> of your own story. What? So what, what? what's your next level of vision for Wild Eyes? What's, what's next for it? That's a really good question. I know. <laughs> so I, I was asked this question recently from... Uh, this woman who was writing an article about us and I was like, you know, it's it's funny. The project has evolved so much since the beginning. You know, it started out just as a 360 video project, sort of like a one-off thing that could exist. And then now, you know, Wildest has this mission of just like actively using this to inspire people to connect with the natural world. What I've really gotten a lot of excitement from from this project is making connections. So like not just making connections between people and you know and youth and the natural world but also making making connections between organizations who have certain missions that i think are aligned with wild eyes and then helping them with our pro with our project um, a lot of people are interested in emerging media you know a lot of vr people right now they're you know i think recently uh in in our circles there's someone who said don't do the kellogg's and Kellogg's recently released a VR project where you can eat cereal in VR. And what? it's like, eh. okay. <laughs> it's like just an example of how like corporations are just so <laughs> just yeah. clueless. Like, we'll do it. 
we'll make a meat cereal in VR. Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> um, so we're just like, don't Kellogg's yeah. it, you know? Um, so with what we want to do, we want to like push it to that next level. And uh, I don't want to go to the route of documentary film. I want to stay in this experiential route. So I imagine the project becoming sort of like a uh, an exhibit um, when we were in D.C., we talked with uh, the Smithsonian, and they were like, what would it look like to have something like Wild Eyes here? And I imagine it, there being a layer of things, an app that you can download on your phone and get interested, an exhibit at the Smithsonian where you can walk in and try different headsets on, and each headset takes you to a different place. And then I also see, you know, we're talking with uh, planetariums who have lost a lot of... Uh, audience members in the last 10 years um, it's just becoming just a thing that older audiences are into and so planetariums are starting to rebrand themselves as 360 video places venues and so we're thinking of making a panoramic sort of uh, spherical planetarium film about the national parks and releasing that in planetariums oh that would be amazing yeah I'm pretty psyched about that so is this, will, will the public schools embrace this? Is this something that, I mean, it's cool for some classrooms and so forth, but is this something that could really be part of the public schools, part of geography, part of history, part of, you know. Oh, how great would that be? Science. For, for kids to be in like a history class or a, a science class. And, you know, when they're talking about the the metamorphosis of the, of the, uh Help me out here. <laughs> Jellyfish? I don't know. No, the butterfly. <laughs> nice. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and if they could see this process, like right now, you know, I, I don't know. It's that, I, honestly, it's funny that you say that. That is what I think I've been leaning towards recently is butterflies. Like we put a butterfly in our first uh, Wild Eyes video and we're still pushing for the national parks, but I see... Uh, what Wild Eyes is doing is bigger than the national parks. It's just connecting people to the natural world through this medium. So we've, we're talking with people about creating a website where 360 video cameras are becoming popular, where people could upload their own 360 video of nature and create a network of videos. And what you could do as a teacher or educator or filmmaker is tap into all those videos and make your own experience for your own purpose. Mm. And so in order to sort of start that up, what I've thought about doing is release, releasing a film that you can edit yourself, which is about butterflies. And right now, butterflies is a big part of the sort of biodiverse, biodiversity conversation because butterflies are global. They're not like us. We like set up a house and live in one, one place and sort of like move to another place and live in that place. Well, butterflies, they live everywhere. They travel all over the world, and there's some places around the world that are like their meccas. They're like breeding grounds. And if you saw an image of this place, you'd be like, oh, that's like a forest. It's a forest of butterflies. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Yeah. There's a place in Mexico that's like that. It's one of the, like, like I said, the meccas of uh, butterflies. And I would love to take a 360 camera there and 360 camera to another location and allow people to see the interconnected way that butterflies sort of exist on the planet. They like go here for a little bit and then they fly halfway across the world and they go there for a little bit. Um, and it's not one generation. It's like it's generations of butterflies it takes them to travel. 
Uh, it's insane. So that's it's funny that you brought that up. I've been thinking about butterflies a lot lately. <laughs> I didn't know they were that interesting. They I'm are like, amazing. I want to go research this now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the 360, to view it, you're typically on a smartphone. But you can also view it in other, you know, in other media as well, right? You can view it on Facebook and YouTube and um, Instagram and Twitter. Haven't done it yet, but I think it's only a matter of time. Um, you can use the mouse to scroll and move around. The headset, in my opinion, is the the best way to experience it because it connects with your your head's movement. Whereas the clicking and moving around is cool, like an interactive website or an interactive game or something. But connecting it to the movement of your head is when it really starts to tap into that experiential level. Um, and that's what I think will really affect the schools is the, the headset. Um, the, obviously, the hurdle there is the cost of the headsets because it, the, you can get a Google Cardboard, but then you would need a phone to go in it. So there are other mediums. Um, there are other headsets as well other than using your phone, like the Oculus Rift or uh, the HTC Vive, which are these high-end virtual reality headsets um, that let you look at videos, but are mostly, they're made for interactive gaming and 3D models and stuff like that. But Well, the whole concept of the cardboard, though, is to, is to have that economical headset, though, right? Isn't the, the cardboard yeah. versus the, the plastic <laughs> ones, which are really expensive. Yeah, like $100 <laughs> for the Gear VR versus, you know, $12 for the uh, cardboard. Um, exactly. And you know, Google's working to get schools these headsets, you know, and I talked to them. They they said that over the last year they reached like a million students so far. So I think they're coming up with plans in order to do that, to get discounts on the LG phones that put, put them in the headsets and have uh, what the phones, uh, the technology world has created, something called the acceler- accelerometer, which is like changed this way it works because it allows you to look around this medium and it, Everyone listening right now, they probably have no idea what I'm talking about. If you go to, you know, YouTube and you search for 360 video, um, you can search for our SpaceX video or any of the Wild Eyes National Parks videos, and you can see what we're talking about, how you move around. Um, you can't, you can't really understand what we're talking about until you experience it. It's, it's right, yeah. It's, that, I mean, I had an idea of what this was, you know, conceptually. But when you actually experience, I mean, your senses are completely immersed in this. And I mean, like I said, it was the most amazing thing I've experienced. I I was in all these parks as if I was there. Now, let me ask you something. How did it affect other than the experience? Like what 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 else? How else did it affect you? Did did the actual content affect you or was it just the fact that you could look around? No, it was the fact that I, I I haven't really traveled much. So being in, in these different places, I felt like I was there. Like, oh my goodness, I actually felt like I was there. So I think it affected me in that sense. Um, not just the, the whole, I think and it was the first time I was doing it. So I was really caught up in the, yeah. whoa, this is yeah. so cool. Like, let me look around and yeah. stuff. But then when you, I, I think the more you do it, if, if I you really pay attention to details and you're allow yourself to really see everything that's happening as if you're there. And that is just beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I think that what I would hope is that people start to ask questions. We shared it at a school in Durham, North Carolina, and afterwards, the uh, the teacher of the class, Aaron, he went up there and he he did two things that were really awesome. One, he asked the students to sketch a picture of what they remember from each of those parks. They saw four parks that day, and each of them, you know, in the first park they drew. Uh, in the first park, they what was the first video? The rock. The okay. The, yeah. the first park they drew the mountain climber. Yeah. And the second park they drew the salmon in the river, and the third park they drew the mountain goats, and in the fourth park they drew the staircase, which is interesting because yeah. the other videos it's all the movement, right? But the staircase is like you see that woman walk up it, right? And right. it's sort of like the movement that you could be making if you were to go follow her. Yeah, the staircase is what also freaked me out. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to fall down it. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, so far that has been really powerful. Like even when talking to Google, they were just like, whoa, like you have that information. You understand that? Like what, what, how does this affect like our ability to, tell people about the national parks based off of what it's like there before it's like take a picture of half dome at yosemite or take a picture of the buffalo at yellowstone it's like there are these certain visual icons that you remember and now with this 360 experience you just you can allow them to transport there and i think the fear and the conversation a lot of people have is like well great people can sit on their butt and go to (laughs) all these places right so one of the things that we've done with the national parks is make sure that there are people in these videos so that sort of like indirectly you're learning that you could go there. You could be one of those people. I'm I'm just blown away, honestly. I think. Oh, it's, is, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no words. And, and like he was saying, like Derek was saying, the people that are listening you still have no idea what this is until you experience it yourself. I, yeah, I'm blown away. So, <laughs> VR is not a podcast medium. <laughs> no. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what, where can people go to to look at it, though? What's the best website or what's the best place to, for them to go and look at the Wild Eyes videos? Um, yeah, if they go, there's a couple different places that people can go. They can go to the uh, Wild Eyes YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash wild eyes tour um you can also go to our facebook page which is facebook.com slash wild eyes tour and you can also go to our website put on your wild eyes.com um we've been you know we've branded this thing so that we can ask people to put on their wild eyes how did you come up with that concept the the name of wild eyes i like that that is a question that a lot of people ask me and me and jared and marco and everyone at doctrine creative we spend so much time in this realm of like ideas and creativity that like it just happened like it was just like nature wild eyes wild eyes put on your wild eyes done <laughs> nice it was literally there was no time just like that it was like bump it in boom boom that's great yeah sometimes it happens like that yeah those <laughs> are the best times that's awesome yeah um so yeah and i feel like me personally i've been transformed as a filmmaker because as a documentary filmmaker 
When I was in film, I don't think I thought about this a lot. And even right now, like on this podcast medium, we're like sort of like ping-ponging off each other as far as our storytelling is going. But in a film, there is so much that you decide and do for the viewer. And in documentary film, it gets into this dangerous realm. And now you can see it. Like right now, when I would show people our film, they would respond and go, so what are you trying to convince me of? I'd be like, nothing. Nothing. But you're waiting for me to convince you, which is a, a way to look into sort of the like the industry of film. That's what we're doing. We're propagandists. And I, as a documentary filmmaker, could not shake it. I could not shake the definition that I am a propagandist. And a lot of filmmakers, they like journalists, they do their best to get the story from the people, from the interviews, or from the moment. But when you add music and you add editing you are putting this information together in a way that you're this, you're telling a story, a, a way of seeing it, and you're affecting people. And I really saw this as a way, as a filmmaker, it, I, it transformed the way I see film now. Like, in order to capture a moment without manipulating what people look at and allow them to look at what interests them, it changes the game. It's a whole new medium now. What do we do? No one knows. What yeah, happens now? Because it's their experience based on whatever they're looking at. Yeah. Like, what do you look at? Yeah. They're telling their <laughs> own story as they're, as they're looking around. But, so, and those kids tell us that they look at the things that move, which is very like... I thought it was kind of... In, I, I liked at the last one where the staircase was. I was actually interested in the lady that was standing and walked right by me. I mean, I, it was as if she was right there. Exactly. Which... That lady's funny. Is she? Yeah. She's like staring at you for yeah. a little bit because she's looking yeah. at the camera. Right. But she's looking at you. Yeah. You're like, yeah. What? oh yeah, just hanging out, looking at the sunrise. But just sunset. to be so close to someone, a complete stranger through this whole thing, it was, it was, it was so cool. Yeah. I think that I, I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen with it in the future because you do put this headset on you do kind of cut yourself off a little bit. And the way I hope to see it, even when we talk about VR with the team, we're like, all right, so how do we create this? And so when when we're creating these products, we think about the future and how we could affect people. And ideally, I imagine it as, oh, I'm going to look at this thing. Let me put the headset on. Step one, look around. Oh, man, that's awesome. Step two, take off the headset. Hey, man, dude, you got to check this out. You give it to the person, they put it on and look around and go, wow. And they take it off and then you talk about it. That's how I imagine it, is that it's a go in, come out kind of thing. And I see a lot of movement in the VR realm, which is like keep people. Right, to keep people under there. Keep well, them that- in, use the menu, look around, go to another place, use the menu, check this thing out, play this game. And, you know, I see some, some like, disconnection from reality going on there well, which is a whole another part of the conversation yeah right? the, there's a danger to that to well, when i put on when i put on the the headset and i was standing in this environment like it was like a movie theater environment there were movie posters and this it was like i'm standing in front of a movie theater i don't necessarily need to take that off if if it expands where i can right. look over here and it's like oh i can do this over here and i can do this to my left and i can do this in front of me and there's this stuff in back of me why do I need to take it off? And and there is that risk of keeping people underneath there and for too long. That's why I love your idea of the 
educational part of it. Yeah. Because that that's that's your purpose, right? And it's it kind of scary to think like the corporations and stuff. They'll come yeah. and grab this and they'll... Totally. And then I that mean, reminds me of the Star Trek do, right? episode. You know, the Star Trek episode where they have these visors on yeah. and they're and they're everyone yeah. is like... In I this think about that episode all the time. It was called The Game. That episode yeah. is built into my life. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek's part of my life. I know. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and they did. They all life. put it on and everyone was consumed with this game and then they disconnected from each other. Wow. Yeah, I think about that. And... You know, I, I guess the only thing you can do is think about cars. When cars first came out, they kill, they were killing so many people, even children, and people were like, "These things should not exist. They should they're they're demons." There were like propaganda, like or you know, news and media organizations saying these things are bad. They shouldn't exist. And then the car companies created a a fight against that, and you know, we all drive cars now, and just as many people die. But we still have cars. Good story. Yeah. We still have cars, even though that's the case, you know, and we do our best. We make smart cars to try and not hurt people and kill people. And I've seen leaps and bounds recently with cars that literally cannot kill someone. They will stop. They will break apart and hurt themselves before they hurt somebody. Right. And um, I think, you know, you just got to put the same hat on when you're thinking about virtual reality. And, you know, you have people who are going to push it this way and people are going to push it that way in. I hope to just be a person that always is checking with my mission and my ideals and be like, am I doing this still? Right. Good. Am I not doing this? Bad. Stop. <laughs> That's it. You know, you were talking about documentary film and we don't want this to VR necessarily to be lumped into documentary filmmaking. I think documentary filmmaking got wrapped up into propaganda, at least as I remember it, when it first started becoming, because documentary film has been around for you know, for a long time, but it started becoming more well known with Michael Moore. I think yep. it was it was Bowling for Columbine was, no, the, was the big one that came out, uh, and then of course all of his other ones after that. And that, it was, and of course he became known as a propagandist. So therefore, documentary film did, and then of course the other ones that really there were Super Size Me. Super Size Me came out. That was a big one. Which is not a Michael Moore film, but it's like existed in the same realm of like um, sort of like mainstream theaters releasing a documentary film. And then, you know, later on, there was, you know, the one that really stood out to me was Food, Inc. Yep. Very powerful film. And even though it was a great film, raised a lot of awareness about our food process in America, it's still propaganda in yep. the sense of it's still one person's viewpoint against this industry regardless if you believe in right. it or not it's a, it's a viewpoint and so i think when people think of documentary film because the ones that stand out yep. are so jaded and sided in one direction that they don't see other documentary film as possibly being hey take a look at this and choose for yourself i mean they they immediately associate it with something that's going to be you have to think this way yeah and and docu and I think Michael Moore really inspired a generation of filmmakers and I saw him speak at full frame documentary film festival one time and he talked to this point and he said something and I'll never forget it. He was like, I'm okay with that because I think that there are plenty of people who are on the other side of these conversations pushing a rhetoric and I want to be the person that shows you a movie and tells you a story about the way I see it. And you walk out of the theater 
picking up a torch and saying, where do we go? What do we do? And like he, he, he picks that point of view, that way of telling a story to activate people. And it works. I feel activated. Yeah. Oh, I finish yeah, his no, song. I'm, like, I'm done. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm ready. I think this stopped. Yeah. Is our, it done? Our camera, our 360 camera here, bringing us into the VR future, um, has run out of battery. Can we plug it in? It looks uh, like the little Big Hero 6. Not Big Hero yeah, 6. Yeah, it does. There's, Big Hero 6. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, the, it the, looks the, like Big Hero 6. The guy and in Big Hero 6. it looks like the character from Portal. Did you ever play Portal? No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never... It's. I don't know if the cable is long enough. We probably probably get what we got on that. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel driven and alive about me personally, as far as creativity is concerned and creating something, I'm always like breaking things down to its more basic form and being like, this isn't good enough. I want to do better. This isn't good enough. I want to do better. And I think this realm being a part of this at this early stage has like allowed me to do that. And I've really fallen into something that's like made me come alive. Like it's just like it's giving me the tools to like do what I'm good at, have a mission, be on the cutting edge of something. It's just like it feels really good right now. I like it a lot. So right now probably 360 as you're seeing it is great for awareness to things, awareness to nature, awareness to the national parks, awareness to this is what it's like to be in a butterfly colony. This is what it's like to be standing mm-hmm. in the middle of, uh, you know, Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's really bringing awareness to people of what these things are like. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you think that's the strongest vision for it? Or, I mean, obviously the corporate vision is going to be, let's sell stuff with it. Right. But outside of that, is there is awareness the strongest thing we need right now? I think that, you know, again, breaking it down to its most basic form, I ask myself, you know, why do we tell stories at all? Um, and I think it, it's about sharing something. It's about sharing with someone a way of, it's sharing with someone an experience or it's sharing with someone what that experience made you think about or feel or transform uh and I think that it does all those things. If there is anything else, is there anything else? I mean, there's there's virtual reality porn right now. No, there is not. There is too. Well, there you go. It all comes back to the porn industry. Yeah. <laughs> is there really? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I've tried it. It's interesting. They're still having. You know, people are still doing. The, Where do they place the camera? <laughs> they okay. So they put the camera. It's all. It's first person. So they place the camera on like a giver or receiver's head. No kidding. Yeah. So it's. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) is that awareness? (laughs) Well, I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't have an answer. Well, if if there's anything to be had, the porn industry will take it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they have driven so much (laughs) in this in our culture. (laughs) Yeah. So there's the answer to that. Um, I've seen, you know, just earlier today, I saw a frontline 360 piece, um, that was mostly graphics. You could look around and it was sort of saying like front, it was using 360 video to sort of like connect you with the frontline brand saying that they let you see all sides of a story. 
And so that you were like looking around and seeing different images and videos of stories that they've covered. Okay. And it was just like sort of like a branding piece. So it, it is starting to be used as more than sort of these living moments. But, um, you know, 360 video is being used for that. But virtual reality, you're dealing with a whole other realm of 3D generated worlds that were like the possibilities are endless. Like if I could show you the stuff that we're doing in the office in North Carolina right now, you, you'd melt. Your mm. brains would melt. Like, oh, well, my brain's already exploded. The 3D <laughs> aspect, Google has one. Uh, Tilt Brush is the app that's called. And the only way to do this is to have a like a fifteen hundred to two thousand dollar computer with a eight hundred dollar headset and stuff like that. Um, but you can paint in a 3D space. Oh, I did see a video about that. You're, you saw that? Yeah, you're directing it yes. with your 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 finger. Well, or you something. have a controller, no, it's a but controller. yeah, but yeah, your hand. Yeah. And that's real. That's not graphics like, oh, imagine what you could do. No, that's real. What you saw is real. You really can just turn in a circle and paint a ribbon around yourself. I went in and I sort of like painted pants on myself and shoes and a shirt and then moved out of it and there was a person there. No. Yeah. Huh. That's that's incredible. Insane. See, so, I'm kind of scared I'd be that person that would get caught up in that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and not want to take like, it off because... You're bored. You're like, ah, I'm back in my house. I want to yeah. go back to paint land. Well, that's... I mean, again, that's the other side of it is, is, is it possible to stay in it too long? Yeah. You know, I, I know... With the with the you know the headsets they have you can watch movies through it so you can actually look you know I think like Netflix and so so forth it looks like there's a big screen TV in front of you you're in a living room and you're watching TV through your headset and my question is why not just really watch TV in an actual environment why do we need a virtual environment to watch TV which is why I love Wild Eyes but specifically for education yeah like. This needs to be for for kids. Yeah, in in public schools. That's, um, that's the idea. Is to use it as a tool. Right. But money's a tool, and it has yeah done all the things that we know money has done. <laughs> well, it, and it's a, it's the two sides of the Pokemon Go conversation, right? Yeah, now. right. One is like, wow, it's getting people out to do things, and it's bringing people together, and it is. And I see that, but we watch people walk their dog at night now. And they're not even paying attention to their dog. They're right. walking down the middle of the street trying to catch a Pikachu. Yeah. And it's it's like, well, wait a minute. It's yes. It, you know, you were seeing mass amounts of people go to parks. And it's like, that's pretty cool. Bringing people together, getting them outdoors. Exercising. But they're yeah. all on their phones, I, you know, there's that both sides of it. Yeah. It's, it's well, a weird. Virtual reality right now is not just virtual reality. There's also a realm called augmented reality, which is. Pokemon Go is a part of that. When you go to catch your Pokemon, it opens that camera, and then you see the Pokemon sort of like in the room or on the road or wherever it is. That's sort of like an example of augmented reality. And there are people who are working on, um, one of them in North Carolina, that their glasses that would just turn into augmented reality when you needed them. So you'd be wearing your glasses, and then let's say you're playing Pokemon Go, and then the Pokemon shows up. I feel like that is starting to blur the line of what you're saying because if it's not your phone and it is just a screen that is a film on top of reality, you're sort of starting to close that gap even with what you're saying because you're not focusing on your phone, you're focusing on everything. It's just got a layer of like 
Pokemons on it. Yeah, and at what point <laughs> do we lose touch with reality? Yeah, I don't know. At what point do we... There was that Bruce Willis movie where like the whole society was just plugged in and they never left their house because they were they were you know they were almost they were playing a character of themselves out in the world well i would say you know my argument why as an activist sometimes i have a hard time connecting and meeting people where they're at my response to that would be you know this work working in truthful acting and meeting the people and seeing the things they go through we've already less lost touch with reality have we not no, we have. Yeah, <laughs> we have. So, it, w- will we lose touch with reality? No, we're already there. So, I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to talk about. Yeah. So I guess I guess with everything, there's pros and cons. Yeah. With everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the biggest pro is that being able to go to places that you can't go. I would love, you know, I've been to to London and I've seen Big Ben. But to be able to go to my kids and say, hey, you have to experience this and be standing in front of parliament looking at Big Ben and say, you just just put this on and experience what it's like to be there. Put this on and experience what Times Square is like. Put this on and, and experience what standing in, in Moscow is like. And to be able to do that, not to just read about it, not to watch it on TV, but to really experience that. I, I think that's special. To, and you nailed the exact demographic of people who the largest demographic of supporters of wild eyes are parents who want to do that teachers they love this but they don't have the resources to get 15 20 headsets in their classroom so there's a hurdle there but parents the they want to pull it up on their ipad or their phone and allow their kids to experience something that they experienced that is the biggest supporters of our project is that exact thing because that would that would be amazing. Because I mean, I, I can't afford to take all of our children, the entire herd. I can't afford to take them to Europe. Right. One day, hopefully, maybe. But I mean, right now. But I would. But for them to be able to experience, say, look at this. Look at the the fields of Scotland. Look at, you know, look at the Alps of Switzerland. Look at these things. To me, it actually excites the desire to go there. Right. I think I was just I was thinking the same thing. Imagine after that, your children were like, "Well, what if we go there?" You'd probably feel a lot more activated to feel out how to go there. I then. probably would. If they're like, oh, my God, I, want, I really want to go there. I really want to experience that. I'd, I'd be like, all right, we have to find a way Let's to do, do that. Let's do it. And, you know, you could do the monuments, the Hofbrau House in the middle of London, which is their big, you know, their their main pub in the center. It's like that would be amazing just to say, look at what it's like to be here right now. I agree. Yeah, it's like, it's a field trip. Yeah, it's a virtual field trip. It's a virtual that field exactly trip. exactly right. Which is what I love about the schools, though. And I think the schools can do it because it's a virtual field trip. They can divert some money into that direction to do that. Yeah, I think that it. we're on the cusp of that right now. I really do. I think the inner city schools are really looking at this as an opportunity to get their, their students that have not had a diverse experience. They've had the go from home to school, go from home to school, watch video games, watch TV, and to allow them to open up their experience to say, oh, I could go do that. Like, look, there's a yeah. person climbing that mountain. That could be me. Right. Well, Bye. our kids are dying to see the snow. So how cool would it be to put this on and have them see people do like a snow fight or build a snowman right in front of them? I mean, just to give them a taste of what that is. Awesome idea. You know, and because... And, 
obviously they can't touch the snow. No. But that's the next step one day when we can get there. Well, that's the, that's, I mean, we need limits. That's the limit. You want to touch it, you got to go. Right. That's You want to se- touch the snow, you got to go there. <laughs> <laughs> this will do all the other senses. Yeah. The, the, the touch sense, that's got to hold. Yeah. The touch sense, that's the, that's the window, the invitation to actually go there yourself. But how cool would it like a snowball fight be? Amazing idea. Because you could look over at this person who's throwing the ball and looking at this person who's getting hit by it. And then we'll throw trailer. ice, we'll throw ice <laughs> like, at them. And then, you know, it's like, okay, here. Here's the snow trailer, guys. <laughs> we'll open the freezer. It and they satisfies can... their desire a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Or make them want to go <laughs> more. Say, <laughs> we got to go on, now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. They will want to go now. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, right now we've been... Um, uh, the University of uh, North Carolina, uh, actually North Carolina State, excuse me, uh, has been uh, talking with Wild Eyes about doing this same thing, but for North Carolina parks and, you know, not national parks, just, you know, parks. And this is a department of the government that their whole focus is to try and make it easier and more enjoyable and uh, logistically possible for people to get out and use nature. And Parks and Rec, is that's their goal. It's like, well, maybe if we put a playground, maybe if we put a sidewalk, maybe if we put a bench, maybe if we put a water fountain. Um, we can make these experiences, you know, easier for people so they'll actually do them. And the project that we're working on is called Prescription Parks. And the whole idea of it is that uh, the government can work with the medical industry so doctors can prescribe people going outside. And, you know... Just going outside alone, you're going to get physical activity that you weren't going to get before. Um, And two, you're going to get vitamin D from the sun. And a lot of people take vitamin D supplements um, because they don't get enough sun. Um, So, you know, one of the things they're working with is they've told me that, you know, imagine this. Imagine using virtual reality to break down fears about what the public parks are like so people will actually go there. And I'm like, fear? Fear of what? And he's like, well, imagine me taking three women to a park. I get there. I show them. I tell them of the place. And they won't get out of the car because they're afraid of what's down that sidewalk, what's behind those bushes. And he asked them, you know, what are you afraid of? They're like, bears. (laughs) Or. (laughs) Well, sure. (laughs) Yeah. And there's no bears, but they just don't know. And so we are experimenting with using it in this same way as capturing nature, but also dissolving fears of like personal experience, like you were saying with sharks, where we could show them behind that bush is just other people experiencing nature. Um, They're friendly. They're on a walk. They're not concerned with you. Um, Or there's some people who are very social and that meet each other and talk and take pictures of the squirrels and stuff like that. Um, And so it's pretty exciting to see that next level of it, which is like, you know, like what you're saying with the snow, but in a local community level, like allowing people to see like, oh, I could go experience nature right around the corner. And, you know, maybe virtual reality is just like the window that you walk through to get there. Like, I want to know what it feels like to be on the edge of a cliff and just experience that. Yeah. And this would allow me to. Well, the Grand, true. the Grand Canyon, to be on the edge of the Grand Canyon. We have not filmed the Grand Canyon yet. That so. would be exciting. Yeah. I, uh, one of our friends has said, why don't you take a donkey down? <laughs> Get on a donkey, <laughs> put the camera on. That is true. Because a lot do of people want to yeah. do that, but wouldn't be willing to. You know, they might even go to their Grand Canyon, but not be willing to go on that donkey ride. It's like, whoa, I do I want to do that? Yeah, because the, the donkeys kind of, 
lead themselves. You're not guiding them. You're on the back. <laughs> and because I remember the last time I was there, and I'm like, well, well, why don't the donkeys fall off? Because it's this very <laughs> narrow thing. And they're like, well, no, the donkeys know where they're going. But they know not to fall off. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I trust that. I think <laughs> I that's amazing. What if the donkey the gets donkey scared and know. bucks and just throws me off? I mean, you know, yeah. the donkey's going to save itself. Yeah, well, you know what? You could like, you know, you could put on the head, you could go to the 360 video and like zoom to the end and be like, oh, they made it to the bottom. True. <laughs> Is there a way to make it a steady cam though? So- yeah, there are, there are steady cams. Because then you have the movement yep. of the donkey, but. Yeah, you'd have this like sort of like swaying action. Um, there are steady cams, and there are people um, that are creating headsets that aren't viewers but cameras. So it has like 15 cameras that you wear on a hat. So instead of having like a camera tripod, you would have like you would wear a hat, and that you'd be the camera. So Whoa. yeah, Whoa. yeah, I'm the camera. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, we were. It's funny because we were talking uh, earlier this year, PBS um, had this uh, grant program where they were uh, looking for new projects and people hear about Wild Eyes and they want to help. And they're like, here, check this out. You should do Wild Eyes for this. And I'm like, it's virtual reality. I don't know. PBS isn't, I don't know. It's, they want to film. I don't know. Well, let's see. So we thought about it and we pitched a TV show idea that would go with the heads go with the 360 video. And the TV show would be about people that we all know, like someone like, I don't know, uh, Morgan Freeman, who is a big, you know, nature supporter and he's done a lot of uh, producing and uh, voiceover for a documentary. Um, you have Ken Burns, who produced a lot of National Parks program programs and is a big supporter of it these people who are big supporters but at some point had an experience that reconnected them to nature as an adult or reconnected them to nature from that in that uh uh, sort of like adventure spirit that when they were a child and so what we were going to do in the uh, the tv show was interview these people and then go and recreate their experience in 360 video. So the video, the, the TV show would be them explaining their experience like a TV show. And then at the end, you would show us going to a school, going to a school with their experience that we recreated with their voiceover. And someone gets to have that experience that they said changed their life. And we planned out a 10-episode series, and the 10th episode, what we would do is one of the children that we met in the first episode that had never been to a national park, we would follow them and their experience through the, you know, what we were sharing with them. And the last episode, what we would do is actually take them to a national park and then ask them, where should we put the camera? Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, th- I was pretty like, we have to make this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. That's the thing. There's so many possibilities. You know, we just got a flavor of it by putting on that headset tonight. That's all you need. It's like, I want to do more. That's all you need. A tiny taste. You just need a tiny taste and you're hooked. I love the idea of of being underwater with, because, you know, scuba diving is something that I haven't really done Mm. and I'd like to, but, you know, the the, the sharks I'm too tasty so it's (laughs) (laughs) but to be able to really experience it from a scuba diver's perspective to see all the things I mean I've watched the shows 
But to really put it on and feel like you're there and see these things swimming around you and look around, I, that would be amazing to me. Skydiving would also be another really cool one. You know, like being able to experience things that, as you're saying, overcoming fears, I think that's a big one. Yeah. Things I wouldn't normally do in reality because I, I need to experience it safely first. Yeah. But I'm interested to, to, to yeah. for the experience to do like a, a social experiment yeah, to see if it would actually help people face their fears. If I was put in a, like wasps. Okay. So, or Ugh. bees, if I was put in the situation <laughs> of somebody that this is what their job is and, and they, they get the honey and they go through this whole thing every day. Like if I was put in that experience, would it make me want to actually do it or would it increase the fear? So my, interesting, uh, my predisposition is to think that yes, because the most powerful learning experience is experience. And practice is that. That's what practice is. Practice is experience. And so when someone says they're afraid of heights or they're afraid of speaking in front of people, they get better when they do it. So I think that virtual reality is a great way to allow people to have experience that dissolves fears about, oh, it wasn't that bad. And that's where all we, we say when we're afraid of something and then we do it, we're like, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah always. Right, that's true. It just happened. And I was like, oh, it's happening right now, the thing. And I was so afraid of this, but it's <laughs> happening and I'm okay. This is so great for, for, for therapy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things that I've talked about, Jared tells me, he's like, dude, you're like a preacher, man, for the nature <laughs> you're like a nature preacher you just like just never stop um i'm okay with that i'm like my if someone called me that i'd be like okay um one of the things i have thought about is people reacting to the visuals they're like oh wow look up there look over there and then you said like oh yeah but you don't feel the snow and i've thought oh you know could we turn on a fan and allow people to feel the wind you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. would that change it? And when we do demos outside, it does seem to be more immersive because they feel the actual wind uh, affecting right. them. Um, so, like, I turn on the wind, and then, oh, if the sun was hot, if I had, like, a heater. And then, like, you know, imagine our exhibit at Smithsonian being that, like, recreating every level of nature, you know? And then I'm imagining, like, Mythbusters being involved. You know, they walk out, <laughs> and they're like, do you know how many millions of dollars we had to spend yeah. in order to make that experience? <laughs> and you're like, no. And they're like, $16 million. And you're like, oh, well, that's a lot of money. And you're like, and nature does it for free. Nice. <laughs> oh. Boom. Yeah. Nice. Because people, people sort of like respect technology as part of our culture. They're raised respecting technology. They walk up to us with a headset and they're like, let me see it. Let me see it. And, you know, one of the experience, one of the demos we did, a young girl was like, let me see it. And I'm like, here you go. And she's like, what am I going to see? And I'm like, you're going to go see 11 national parks. And she's like, natural parks, I guess. She's like, wasn't into it. The words did not excite her. She had no connection or a meaning behind those words. And when she put the headset on, she was like, oh, a butterfly. Oh, look, I'm so high. Oh, wow. What's that over there? Oh, I'm moving through it. And I think that that we are basically tapping into that respect that people in our culture already have for technology and putting and carrying over, carrying a little bit of that respect over to the natural world. Because yeah, you don't think when you think of virtual reality or, or anything technological, you're not thinking of nature. You're no. not thinking of trees and waterfalls. And no, you're not. 
No, it's the, just there. It feels like two completely different concepts. It's true. So you're you've merged them together, and it's just oh. in North Carolina. There was this VR group we met up with, and they were like spinning on showing us all these things they've created in virtual reality and they're like working on this really new exciting project you know virtual reality anything is possible check this out and they turn it on and they open it up and they're like look what we've created from scratch we've created a virtual office <laughs> you can look around and you can see through the window outside and you can look at your computer and you can organize this and you have a bookshelf over here and it uh you can create anything you want yeah and you create an <laughs> office something like, is wrong yeah that's yeah because they could all you know always just look around and see their actual office no no nah, <laughs> man that's not that's boring man yeah i want to be in a 3d office where like i can look out at like i don't know space yeah. put an office in space it wasn't even that it was like a badly 3d model like ocean it's like <laughs> <laughs> no if i want to be in a virtual you know reality I want to be in like Hogwarts or something. I want to be oh, inside, right? Yeah. I want to be in some place that doesn't exist in the real world. <laughs> I like that. Well, where would you go? Wait, I'm going back because this is all Star Trekky. Oh, so the holodeck. It, yes, the holodeck. The holodeck. That, yes, that's Gene Roddenberry, man. Do you want to know something really dorky? Our two rooms at uh, the VR office in North Carolina. One is called Holodeck One, and the other one's called Holodeck Two. Is no it? kidding, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I keep telling them, like, guys, we need to make it so when they first put on the headset, when they look around, they see the yellow lines. Yeah, the black and the yellow. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the first thing you see. It's like, uh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah what the, the vision of Gene Roddenberry and what Star Trek created. It's just we keep everything that existed in Star Trek keeps actually getting created. It's amazing. He was like a prophet. I'm serious. Uh, some people have told me that when he created Star Trek, the first one, that the TV Hollywood sort of like pushed him a lot. And when he got to make Next Generation, he was like, I want to do it the way I wanted to do the first series. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. Um, and that he wanted to make a television show that was like Shakespearean. Like every episode was like a Shakespearean moral, right. you know? And he did. Yeah. I yeah. I swear I almost every like big philo philosophical conversation or like moment in my life when there's like questioning of what's right Star Trek comes up in my mind. Well, it's like a religion. <laughs> like it's Marco's religion. It is. It's, it's my religion. Yeah. Well, His the way morals, I look at it, everything is. It all comes back to Star Trek. I think that's probably why we get along so I well. I think so. I, <laughs> Well, if you look at the Bible, right? You look at the New Testament of of the the Christian Bible, and it's it's a it, it's a collection of parables. It's a correction of morality tales. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Which is what most religions have. It's a collection of morality tales of how we should live our life, how we should get along, how we should coexist on this planet together. Each one an example of a different moral. Yeah, right. And Star Trek is that in in episodes. And yes, it's science fiction and and all of that, but it's. It's each episode is an example of how we should get along, how we should treat each other. The code of ethics, code of morals, that's what they are. They're, mm -hmm. they're parables. And so, I, you know, I look at it as, as like a religion in a sense of, yeah, well, if you look at all the different stories, they're always trying to, to, to make a, a moral point or an ethical point. Or open your mind. Mm -hmm. Or expand your mind. Really? Sure. 
really the 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 episode of the androgynous planet it's probably my favorite Sure, I mean... The, like everyone on the planet is androgynous? Mm-hmm. It, well, it, everyone is. And I then, remember that episode. Yeah, and then there's this this one uh, one of the people on the planet uh, identifies as female and falls in love with Commander Riker. And so, of course, the, her people on her planet, when they find out that she identifies as female, they th- tell her she's sick and they put her in psychological training to try to reconstruct her mind to go back to being androgynous. Mm. It's like, wow, that just hits it right on the nose. It's yeah. so good. It's, it's right so on the nose. so good. <laughs> they say so much. So much. So and much. And they don't say it. I know. They just show it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like, you know, being in this in this realm, like our office in North Carolina is in this like startup space and it's like there's all these startups, technology, like trying to get funding and change the world and do all this stuff. And people will ask me about virtual reality and I'll be like, I mean, virtual reality is cool, but like I'm using it to do that. Yeah. If it wasn't for the mission, I wouldn't care. But like, oh, cool. Virtual reality. That's awesome. Like, that's great. But I see the power to create a vision of my ideals. And I think Star Trek to me, especially Captain Picard from a young age, just think about the four lights Oh, love that. Love that episode. To me, my life, almost every struggle I have about what should I do, I think about that moment and I imagine myself going, no, there's not four lights. I don't know if it's four or three or what it is, but the guy who's torturing him is trying to to make him submit to say what's not true, to say there's five lights when there's really four. And Picard is being tortured and he doesn't do it. He doesn't submit. And, you know, part of me says maybe that's ego. You know, maybe I will not submit my ego. But I think honestly in my life I've come to realize that Captain Picard believes in truth. And he won't submit to this man telling him that it might as well be a lie. Because if it might as well be a lie, then seeking the truth is pointless. Right. And so me personally, I feel like if it helps me seek truth and spread truth, then it's worth it. I Man, we can talk about Star Trek all day. <laughs> yeah. I, so we are out of time for, for this episode, but cool. we will uh, we'll talk some more in a, in a future episode. But uh, yeah, so to wrap this up, let's just give out the information on Wild Eyes one more time. Where can people go? What can they do? Uh, How do they get involved? Yeah, all of that. (laughs) You can search Google for Wild Eyes National Parks and you'll find us. You'll find our website and you'll find our YouTube and our Facebook. Um, You can go to our Facebook, facebook.com slash Wild Eyes Tour, T-O-U-R. I like how you say that, tour. Tour. I like that. How else do you say tour? Well, tour. Yeah. Tour. No, but I like tour. 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 Yeah. Whoa. That's nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. I say lots of words weird, actually. Um, and then uh, you can go to our website at putonyourwildeyes.com and you can see our videos and you can get a headset. And um, yeah. Awesome. It is, has been absolutely awesome having you here today. Thanks. It, it was a pleasure. It's been amazing, amazing, amazing. I love what you guys are doing on this show. You're just. Uh, you're creating a new piece of art that uh, will exist forever and just invites people in another way to uh, seek truth and be truth. Well, I thanks. dig it. Appreciate that. Yeah. That's awesome. 
And listeners, whether you agree with us or disagree with us, we just want you to be with us. All right, world. We'll see you next time. Thank We're you. out. Bye. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. You must unlearn what you have learned. I know what you're trying to do. I'm trying to free your mind, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it.